Welcome to the Field Guide to Body Language podcast. I'm Laurel, and I'm a movement analyst who educates inquiring minds on the power of body language and building healthy relationships. You can follow me on Instagram at Laurel Foley or go to my website, fieldguidebodylanguage.com, if you want to find more information on who I am and what I do. Today, we're going to talk about four simple ways to look at personal space. Over the past couple of years, we've all gotten really good at judging a six foot radius around ourselves. Thank you, COVID. Um, not that we're all holding fast to that social distancing rule or that six feet is the be all end all of personal space because there is way more to it than just a six foot radius. Um, but what is actually super great about the whole super super distancing? Oh yeah, um, what is actually super great about the whole social distancing thing is that um, we've all had to put some thought into the space around us. Social distancing aside, your personal space can be technically mapped and mathematically defined. Uh, you can think about this technical version like a 3D uh, version of Da Vinci's Vitruvian Man, um, which for your reference is the pencil drawing of the naked man in a circle. Um, I will leave a link to it in the comments um, if pencil drawing of a naked man uh, isn't helpful. Uh, so that's one way. The other way we understand our, our personal space is the, I'm going to say emotional space that you need around you. Emotional isn't really the best word for it. It's it's much more uh, all-encompassing than that, but that's the best I have right now. So we're going to run with it. Um so like I said, we can get super technical with the actual shape and form of our physical personal space, the space that our bodies actually take up and move in. Um, and that the physical aspect is intertwined and related to the overlying emotional space that we need and, and is unique to our individual bodies. I know that's a lot. So I'm just going to recap, uh, recap a little. Our physical personal space, the space that our bodies actually move in, is intertwined and related to the overlying emotional space we need and is unique to our individual bodies. Let's unpack the physical aspect first. This we can actually map out, and I'll give you two maps today that are really simple and easy to identify with in your own body um, and easy to observe in others. I know it sounds like a kinesiology lecture is coming next, and I promise you there is no math ahead. I repeat, no math and also no kinesiology. Um, so what we're really talking about here is all of the space around your body that you can reach with one foot anchored to the floor. Does this sound a lot like Twister? Yes, it does. Um, you could imagine yourself in like a flexible bubble that you have anchored to the floor underneath your feet. If you take a step, it comes with you. Um, within that bubble, we're going to look at reach space first. Um, and this is like the first like small map that you would use to map your personal space. Um, reach space divides your space like an apple. Um, 
the, so if you think about the three parts of an apple, you have the core, the flesh of the apple, and then the skin of the apple. Um, and it defines how far someone is reaching away from the center of their body. Um, the core of the apple, um, those, those movements that happen right next to your body happen in near reach space. This is where, um, all the movement happens as close to your body. So like, uh, brushing your teeth or curling up to tie your shoes, um, or buttoning your shirt or looping your belt or washing your body, um, shaving, brushing your hair, lots of, lots of personal hygiene stuff happens here. Um, so that's all the stuff that happens right in the center of your personal space, right next to your body. It's the near reach stuff, the core of the apple. Now, if we're going to go all the way out to the other end of the spectrum at the opposite end, we have far reach which in our little Apple illustration is the skin. And that is everything that happens, all, all the movement that happens at the edge of your bubble of personal space with your arms or a leg uh, reaching as far out as possible. So when you reach for something in a top cabinet or across the dining room table, and you have to like really extend yourself to get there, those movements happen in that far reach space. Let's just imagine, um, let's just imagine you need spaghetti sauce and the last can of spaghetti sauce that is your flavor and your brand that you love because there's no sugar in it, um, is all the way at the back of the top shelf in aisle 11 B when you like reach up to grab that spaghetti sauce, you are reaching into that far reach space because you're going as far as you can. Right. Um, another example is reaching to pull the covers up in the middle of a king size bed. Um, unless you're really tall and that isn't a stretch for you, but I'm, I'm five, seven. Um, and I have a king size bed. And so it's, it is actually a pretty far reach for me, um, to like get my hand all the way to the middle of the bed to make sure the covers are pulled up in the middle as well as on the ends. Um, so that's another example of movement that happens, um, in, in far reach space. Um, and then the last by default is everything that's in the middle. The flesh of the apple is what we would call mid reach space. And this fills the gap between near reach, really close to your body and far reach, which is as far away from the center of you as you can get. Um, and you want to think about this as all the stuff you do with your arms, a little bent. There is a lot of stuff that happens here. Um, cooking usually happens in mid reach space as does working on a computer giving someone a hug, washing your hands, um, using a video game controller, maybe. Huh. So huh. full, full disclosure, I literally never play video games. Um, but there is a lot of video gaming that happens in my house. So I will have to do some field research on that one and get back to you. But I feel like their arms are a little bent in holding the controller. So that's one way to map our personal space is reach spaces. How far away from the body are your hands or your legs? But in, in like everyday life, it's usually your hands. How far out away from your torso are they reaching? Um, and then just a little tangent, because I really want you to have access to at least seeing a full range of motion. And so if you want to see examples of the legs doing more of the reaching and not just anchoring down, um, 
which is what we see in everyday life, follow a dancer or a gymnast on Instagram and just check out a couple of their reels and see if you can identify whether they use near, mid, and far reach space with their legs. And then tag me, please, because I want to know what you found. Um, But in your bubble of personal space, you have one foot anchored down, but you could reach with the other leg and arm to stretch that bubble. Um, but you could also flip it upside down, have one hand down on the floor and have your legs reaching or both hands down on the floor and have your legs reaching out into far reach space. Um, so this is not, I know there's just a lot of possibilities here. Um, and if you follow a mover on Instagram, um, it might be fun to like watch their movements and be like, oh, I can see it now. Or maybe you can't and you need more clarification. And if you do, email me. Okay, next map. Um, you can also look at the level of the movement and this will divide our personal space bubble like a layer cake. Yes. Yes to cake, no to math. Um, this cake has three layers. The bottom layer is low level movement, and that happens near to the ground. Um, Oddly enough, the marker for low level movement isn't your feet. Um, If you bend down to pick up a lucky penny or swipe the spill, a spill of juice off the floor or crouch down to pet a little dog, all of that is low level movement. It is near to the ground. Now, if you break dance and oh my goodness, if you're a break dancer, please drop a note in the comments or DM me on Instagram because break dancing is literally the coolest thing ever. And I want to follow you. Um, if you're a break dancer and you're spinning with your back on the floor, they tell me this is called a backspin. Um, that's low level movement. Your whole body is near to the ground. You are on the bottom layer of that cake. Okay. Um, so side note. I have extensive classical ballet training and absolutely no training in breakdancing. So I had to Google what is the breakdancing upside down uh, spin thing called. And thank goodness for Google. She knew exactly what I was talking about. But anyway, um, I went down the rabbit hole a little bit and I found a video on how to head spin. Um, And no, I haven't tried it yet. But the way you learn to head spin is the same way you learn to pirouette, which is um, a fancy ballet spinny spinny thing on one leg, um, which admittedly isn't as cool because you're right side up, but you are standing on the very tips of your toes. So maybe that bumps up its coolness factor. I don't know. Um, you learn to pirouette in quarter and then half and then full turn incre- increments. Um, just like Kid Glide recommends you learn how to headspin, which I thought was so cool. Um, I, I like I said, I haven't tried it yet, but I want to. I'm I'm still trying to figure out what to do with my hair. Like, do I do I wear a hat? Like surely, surely there are break dancers with long hair. I just feel like if I put my head down on the floor and I'm not wearing a hat and I try and spin, it's going to pull my hair a little bit. Um, so anyway, if you're a break dancer, I could use some tips. Um, but other than that, let's put that tangent aside for a second. Um, so now that's, that's the bottom layer of the layer cake. Now let's jump all the way to the other end of the spectrum. Um, we just talked about low movement, low level movement. Now let's talk about high level movement. Um, high level movement happens at the top of your personal space. It's the top layer of the cake. Um, good examples of this are changing a light bulb on a ceiling lamp, um, 
the arm motion that football referees make to signal a touchdown um, is high level movement. Let me see if I can think of one more. Um, Oh, we went to the apple orchard this fall, last fall. I don't remember. We went to the apple orchard once and um, reaching up to pick an apple that is like uh, reaching up to pick an apple on a branch that is taller than you are. That's high level movement. Um, also jumping is high level movement. I have, uh, three boys who are in middle and high school and they compete amongst themselves to see who can jump the highest. Um, and the oldest can touch the ceiling. The youngest can swat the top of the door frame. Um, all of their jumping and reaching is high level movement one because they're jumping and two, because they're reaching up. Um, and, and actually I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but all of their movement is high level far reach. So tuck that in the back of your brain. Okay. Um, now for the middle layer of the cake and you're welcome for all the cake references, by the way, um, mid-level movement is what happens in between. Um, it's the middle layer of the cake. I usually consider anything that happens at the height of the torso to be mid-level. So opening a door, hugging your partner. Um, actually, I guess that depends on your partner's height. Uh, so we'll put that one aside. Cooking dinner, putting on a backpack or a coat, um, driving a car, all of that arm movement happens at mid-level. Now, if you're a dancer, you could you could do a movement called a grand rond de jambe, and then you'd have your leg at mid-level movement. Um, and just to picture this for people who don't dance, um, let's say you're standing up straight um, and you stuck one leg out in front of you, like at the height of your hip, and then you circled it around so it was to the side of you, still at hip height, and then you circled it around to the back of you, still at hip height, so you like traced half a circle at the level of your hip, that's also mid-reach space. Um, so let's go a little bit deeper now. Reach space, which is the apple, and levels, like the cake, can be combined. And this is what I was talking about with the boys jumping. Um, these two maps cover different ways to look at our personal space. One is like an out in look and the other one is an up down, uh, look. And so we can layer them on top of one another to get a more clear picture of what's going on. For instance, um, if someone's gardening and they're kneeling down and pulling weeds right next to their feet, that's low level near reach. They're down on the ground. Um, and, and they are working right next to their body. So that's near reach, low level near reach. If they were to pull weeds a little bit further away from their body, then the movement would still be low level. It's still on the ground, but now maybe mid reach or far reach. Um, now let's go back to our can of spaghetti sauce. If you're going to reach for that last can at the very back of top back of the top shelf of the grocery store, that's high level. Cause it's high up and far reach because you're going as far away from the center of your body as you can. Um, now, if you're doing any cooking today, you'll probably be hanging out in mid-level mid-reach. I am obviously recording a podcast today and I am talking a lot with my hands because um, it helps me think. And like, I am hanging out in mid-level mid-reach a lot today. Um, any level can be combined with any reach space. Um, so you can think about how any other ways that you can combine those like levels and reach spaces 
all different kinds of uh, possibilities are available there. Um, so those are your two physical maps to play with this week. If you have a chance to do some people watching like on the train or in a meeting, not that anyone would ever let their mind wander in a meeting, um, just see if you can identify a couple of levels or reaches. Now that we've mapped our personal space out a bit, I want you to consider that you, we, everyone um, can actually grow and shrink their personal space with their emotions. Um, And this is built into our vernacular a little bit, which is cool. Um, If you're feeling ashamed and belittled, we might say you're feeling small. And this is something most of us have experienced before. So see if you can kind of conjure that feeling up a little bit and put it in your body. And I I promise we're not going to stay here long. Um, Live in it for a moment or two, that feeling of like being ashamed or belittled. Um, And you might feel your chest cave in a little bit. Um, your, Your head may drop, your shoulders might feel heavy. And after being there for a moment and like living with it in your body for a moment. You can even, I bet you can even hear my voice change because I'm like putting it in my body as I'm talking about it. And you can hear the, the change in the tone of my voice. Um, after being here for a moment, do you feel like reaching out into far space right now? Probably not. That's like way too much work. You might get hurt out there. It's not worth it. You just, you just shrunk, shrank. You just made your personal space smaller. You'll notice that when someone is feeling small, if they try to reach out into far space, it won't be a full extension of their arm or their leg and their body. It will be shy of their full reach capabilities. Now put that feeling of being small and ashamed aside and expand your body as much as you can. How much space can you take up? You deserve all of this space. So don't be ashamed about taking it up. It's yours. Take it. Puff your chest up, sit up tall, lift your chin. If you have room to take your arms out to the side, then go for it. Own your space. That feels totally different, right? Totally different. Feeling ashamed and confident are kind of like body language opposites. We shrink our personal space when we're feeling ashamed and, and other things. This is, um, feeling ashamed is not the only thing that can shrink your personal space. So I'm just using feeling ashamed and feeling confident as an example today. So it's not the be all end all of body language information. Just know that. Um, but they do kind of tend to create opposite things in our bodies. Um, so, so when we feel ashamed, we shrink our personal space and we grow it out when we feel confident. So we've come to the last way to look at our personal space, which, um, well, the last way to look at it, at least for today, um, which is permeability. Permeability relates to how much space we enjoy between ourselves and other people. If the bubble of your personal space is permeable, then you might get right up close to another human and feel very comfortable. If it's not permeable, then, uh, then you just prefer more physical space between you and other humans. It doesn't necessarily reflect the size of your personal space or your mobility. It has more to do with boundaries and not necessarily the boundaries you talk to your therapist about, but that also might be a super interesting discussion. 
Um, someone with permeable personal space. Whew, that's a mouthful. Um, and we're going to have to put COVID aside here for a minute. Someone with permeable personal space would happily take an open seat right next to a stranger. Um, they have no qualms about being in a crowded elevator. Um, they prefer to have conversations standing within arm's length of the person they're talking to. Someone whose personal space isn't permeable, which is a position that many more of us have adopted since COVID. We've just been putting people more at arm's length because of all of the social distancing recommendations. Um, will automatically leave an empty seat or two in between them and a stranger if they sit down on a train, or um, they'd prefer to wait for an elevator with fewer people in it. Um, they prefer to have conversations standing at more than an arm's length away from whoever they're talking to. Um, and I'm going to go through a couple of scenarios and just so just see if one of these experiences resonates for you. Um, sometimes when people want to talk to you, uh, they get in way too close. They're not touching you or threatening you in any way, but you feel like you can't really move or even hear what they're saying unless you step away from them a little bit. For some of you, that will ring true. And if it doesn't, maybe this one will. Uh, you want to talk to someone and you value their opinion. So you step next to them so that you can have an intimate conversation experience, but then they lean back or step away as if they don't want to talk to you and you're not quite sure why. So we have two different kinds of people here and everyone in these scenarios is equally interested and invested in having a conversation. One has permeable personal space, a soft border that they are okay having, allowing people to walk through. Um, they feel comfortable getting right up next to others. Then you have people like me who have much less permeable personal space. And when people step inside it, I, I need, I feel the need to adjust. Like I have to step back a little bit. Um, and so just, just as a heads up, this concept of permeability can get really complex, but take away from it that everyone has different personal space needs. And just because they don't want to stand right next to you, um, doesn't mean that they aren't invested in the conversation or if they come very close to you, they are not purposefully trying to be overbearing. Okay. This is not, a, again, this is not a value judgment. There is not a good or bad. This is just two different approaches. So let's uh, recap today's episode. Your four simple ways to look at body language are um, reach space, levels, emotional size and permeability, personability. Huh. Uh, so reach space is like the apple, um, the near, mid, and far reaches levels like the cake, um, low level, mid-level, high level, emotional size. How do someone's emotions show up in the adjustment of their personal space and permeability? How firm are the borders of someone's personal space? So I hope this has been helpful and, um, given you something to think about and ponder, and maybe given a little insight into someone in your life who lives in their personal space differently than you do. Um, if this piqued your interest, head on over to my website, um, Facebook or Instagram and follow me. Um, it would be super, super, help, super helpful if you guys wanted to, um, if you enjoyed this episode, um, please leave me a review um, or share this on your social media and let's get the word out there about how important body language is. Thanks so much for joining me today.